Hey there, welcome to The Career Prescription. I'm your host, Marjorie Stiegler. This podcast is all about the important stuff they don't teach you in medical school, about how to treat your career like the business it really is, and how to be strategic about your success. I'll show you how to use modern strategies to get ahead, create your own path, and do more of what you love. Every episode is inspired by questions from listeners just like you, so be sure to subscribe and, of course, send me those questions so I can use them on a future episode. So you don't miss anything, be sure to always check the show notes on my website. Are you ready? Let's get into it. Okay, guys, today on the podcast, we're going to be talking about disclosures and disclaimers and conflicts of interest. And you might not realize the number of guidelines and requirements that really exist around some of this that pertain to your online activity. So you already know that I am a big, big believer in, of course, making that online presence, curating your online presence, making sure it demonstrates your sort of highlight reel. It puts your professional best foot forward. This is so important for your own professional branding. It's important for your own professional growth. It's important if you're trying to grow a profitable physician side gig. It's really important if you're trying to lay the groundwork to be able to pivot into some type of leadership role or even non-clinical physician career role uh, so that you're trying to establish yourself as a thought leader. So you're online, right? You're online with a website, with some of the major social media platforms, engaging in education and networking and thought leadership. And while you're doing so, it's very important to be sure that you are providing the right context. The Federal Trade Commission has a stake in this game, potentially depending upon your activities. The FDA may as well, and certainly any organization that you are affiliated with also has an opinion on how you're conducting yourself online. So it's really, really important to be sure that you have a full understanding of all of those uh, contexts and that you're presenting yourself in an appropriate way. So that's what we're going to get into today to be sure that you feel like you can engage really safely online, right? That you've done a good job of being appropriate with your disclosures, with your disclaimers, and managing any potential conflicts of interest so that you cannot worry about that and instead worry about doing a great job connecting with other people and putting your thought leadership forward so that you can advance your career online. That's what it's all about after all. If you haven't already, I'm going to leave a link uh, so that you can check out my book, The Social Prescription, which is all about how physicians can leverage online strategies to really advance their professional goals and their professional career, including, of course, their professional goals that are patient-focused, right? Taking the best care of patients, making sure patients have good education, making sure patients have access to accurate, reputable medical information. And therein, again, anytime you're doing something sort of externally facing, patient facing in particular, you want to be sure that you're being very clear with the right disclosures and disclaimers. So it all comes full circle. I'm a, a big believer in doing this, so I don't want anyone to be dissuaded. I just want you to be educated. So with that, let's transition into what kind of disclosures, disclaimers, and conflicts of interest you need to engage successfully and safely online as a physician. I'm not an attorney. You need to do your own due diligence. I'm going to tell you some of the most important things I think you need to know, and they might vary based on where you live and where you work. They might vary if the laws change. And of course, there might be things that I haven't even discussed here. So please do your own homework, but consider this a starting point. It's really important. 
All right, the first important thing is sort of an overarching principle, and that's the disclaimers and disclosures essentially apply to the concept of conflicts of interest. A conflict of interest basically uh, indicates that you have some kind of relevant financial or other tangible interest, some sort of stake in the game about something that you're writing about or speaking about. And you should always be transparent about that. It should be very obvious. I don't think a conflict of interest is inherently bad. It's just important that everyone be aware. For example, whenever I speak about, I just mentioned my book, when I speak about my courses and things like that, I obviously get paid. People buy the book, they sign up for the courses. I get paid to do that. So that is, I think, probably an obvious financial relationship, and I'm not sure that I'd call it a conflict of interest unless I was engaging in some sort of unethical business practice to try to get people to sign up for, for things that I was representing in some sort of a fraudulent or, or um, misleading way. Conflicts of interest can be real, they can be actual conflicts of interest, or they could just be perceived to be conflicts of interest. This is important because you want to always look at your activities and what you're saying and doing from the lens of somebody else. Right? It's not necessarily whether or not you do benefit, but whether someone might think that you benefit. And just because they think you benefit doesn't mean you have to take action, but this is the sort of zoomed out bigger view that I want you to take when you are thinking about whether or not you should include a disclaimer or disclosure. And it all comes back to that general concept of the conflict of interest, the financial or other benefit type of relationship that you have to what you're writing about, and whether that relationship is real or perceived. Okay, let's get into some of the most important disclaimers. The first one that I think you've got to have on your website for sure, and likely on some of your other digital assets if you are writing articles or engaging in sort of a long-form discussion, whether that's written or even video, is you want to be very clear that you're not giving medical advice. So that's the first disclaimer, not medical advice. You're not giving medical advice online because that would constitute a physician-patient relationship, unless, of course, you are. For example, if you are in a telemedicine practice and you're literally doing a virtual consultation, that, of course, is the practice of medicine, and it's subject to a completely separate set of uh, requirements. But if you are, are blogging and putting out video content, commentary, and things like that, that is not medical advice, even if it's about medical-type content. Instead, you'll want to say that your content is intended for general education only, not medical advice. So you should recommend that readers or listeners seek their individual care from their own physician. And while you don't have a duty to care, of course, for your colleagues, right, if you're making medical sort of recommendations of here's what I would do, which is not really to the patient, but more to your colleagues or other physicians, still, it's important that you say that what you have written is not, it's not correct in every context, and it's just intended for general education. Keeping that in mind, you may want to be careful the way that you write it. So you could write about all kinds of benefits of physical activity or nutrition and sort of in general, but you would want to stay away from saying that just any reader who happened to come across your site should adopt any specific nutritional or exercise plan. That's really the difference there. This doesn't need to be a big dissertation. It can be a simple sentence that, you know, this blog is intended as general medical education. Your specific situation may vary. This is not medical advice. Of course, if you're talking about a social media profile and you have fewer characters, then you won't be able to fit all of this in there. And that's okay. It can be fit for purpose there, but you may just want to include a quick, you know, not medical advice. I think that's more important, though, on your long form. So on your website, on your blog, 
um, perhaps on longer videos or even podcasts. If you're doing something that has that space for that long form and where you're likely to be kind of giving your opinion for some period of time, that's really the place to make sure you're not giving a medical advice. Okay, next, let's talk about earnings and typical results disclaimers. This is something many of my students have frankly never heard about, and so I thought it was important to include in this podcast. Many, many physicians and other healthcare professionals are getting into physician side gigs. Either these are side gigs that they're hoping are going to be able to eventually replace their income as they're looking to pivot professionally, or there's something they just do to satisfy their curiosity uh, and their need for some creativity. But in any case, uh, people are getting into consulting, online courses, and coaching services are some of the top three, certainly very lucrative, as well as professional speaking. And these are the types of side gigs that revolve around content on your website. So again, really important reason to create that stellar online presence. Uh, And also really important to understand that if you are selling, coaching, or consulting, it's important to address whether or not there's any specific results that are guaranteed. This is an important disclaimer. It's part of your good customer service, and it's also protective for your business. Now, my personal approach for this is specifically to disclaim any particular results because those results, of course, depend very heavily on student implementation effort and their business aptitude. So if I'm teaching people the business of paid professional public speaking and they aren't putting in the effort to create that professional brand or they aren't doing you know, the advice that I'm giving them in terms of negotiating effectively, or they somehow are just not a very, uh, very good public speaker in the first place. They don't have that baseline set of skills. So teaching them how to make five, 10, 20, and more thousands of dollars per talk is not realistic if they aren't willing to put in the, the time and the practice. So I don't make any specific guarantees that anybody will earn a specific amount of money. Um, however, it doesn't conflict with having a great refund policy. I also take the approach that my refund policy ensures that their satisfaction is completely guaranteed. It can coexist uh, with the earnings and specific results disclaimers statement where you can say, you know, don't guarantee any particular results from my coaching or from my consulting or from this course, right, that, that a person will have uh, in terms of a tangible way that they will earn a certain amount of money or they will lose a certain amount of wage or they will get a certain job because those outcomes are specific. And then very often your own success is perhaps not typical. You've maybe seen this on infomercials, right? Where uh, uh, your own success or that of your star students is just not typical. So you'll want to be sure to let people know specifically, you know, what they can expect and uh, whether or not there's any type of guarantee for any specific results. And again, I'm of the opinion that people's satisfaction can be guaranteed regardless. In many of my courses, I do offer an entire 30 days to get into it, do the work, and if it's not working for you to your satisfaction, to get a complete refund. Okay, a third disclaimer that's really important that I think people don't really fully understand is that you're not speaking on behalf of an organization unless you are, right? If you're a spokesperson, that's different, so we'll put that to the side here. But unless you're acting in a formal spokesperson capacity, in which case you should obviously identify yourself as such, you need to follow your organization's social media policies in terms of whether you identify your affiliation, Uh, Some places will want you to identify that you are an employee or otherwise affiliated with that organization and then to go on to say, but my views are my own or my tweets are my own or my posts are my own. They don't represent my employer, that kind of thing. You've seen that, I think, probably everywhere you look where people will say views are my own or tweets are my own. 
The main thing is really following the institution's social media policy of whether or not they want you to go ahead and acknowledge your relationship and then disclaim that, you know, you're speaking only for yourself, or do they want you to not say anything at all? Basically, keep the organization's name out of your bios, out of your other materials, and simply don't make that connection at all. Some place will have a social media policy where that is the the way they want you to to proceed. So while you will still say something along the lines of, you know, my views are my own, I speak only for myself, or what have you, that the difference really is whether or not you acknowledge your relationship with a particular organization. Now, this goes back up to how we started talking about potential conflicts of interest. So whether you do or whether you do not acknowledge your relationship with those organizations based on their social media policy, it becomes relevant again if there's any perceived conflict of interest. So, for example, uh, if you have a paid relationship with a medical device company or a pharmaceutical company and their social media policy says basically don't use social media to do any type of business post, don't use our name, don't say that you're connected with us, and just keep business out of the social media. So if that's their policy, then you would not say that you're affiliated with them and you would just keep their name out of your bio and your other materials. But also, importantly, you would not be posting and tweeting about business-related material because then you would have a conflict of interest that was undisclosed. So hopefully that makes sense. If it doesn't, certainly drop me a note. You guys know how to reach me uh, right on my website. You can email me, and I also have a little portal. So make sure that you say whether or not you're speaking on behalf of an organization, but also be sure that you know their policy about whether or not they want your affiliation to be clearly linked And if they do not, then you have to be sort of doubly careful that you are not posting or sharing anything that could be perceived to be a conflict of interest with that business entity with which you do have a financial relationship. Okay, so in my mind, those are the three main disclaimers, right? That you're not giving out medical advice, uh, what somebody can expect as a typical result or earning, particularly if you're selling something, um, and then whether or not you are speaking for yourself or for another organization and making sure that that lines up really well with the institution's social media policy as well as the overall concept of conflicts of interest with your content. So let's move on now to disclosures, which are a little bit different, right? Disclaimers is sort of putting things out there and saying, you know, this is what this is not. But disclosures is really revealing any monetization or compensation in any type of material goods or services that you receive from products or services that you recommend or mention. If you receive any financial benefits, uh, whether it is, again, products, services, or actual money uh, from companies in order to discuss, promote, post about their products, services, recommend them, or mention them, you need to follow Federal Trade Commission guidelines. So a lot of people aren't even aware that this exists. And again, these are regulations, so you can get in trouble and you can get big, big fines. So it's not without consequence. Many of violations of FTC guidance can result in legal action that requires you to give up any money you've earned. So keep that in mind. If you are, you know, one of these sort of modern day influencers where you're getting paid by a company, this is a, it can be a great business model. I'm not giving, uh, you know, any judgment on that type of business model, but I am saying that you can get in a lot of trouble if you do not make that disclosure, right? You have to say that, that you are paid. So anytime you're posting anything that could be construed as an endorsement, On behalf of a sponsoring advertiser or company, you have to say so. 
And again, it can be money, free products, perks. It can be through paid ads. It can be affiliate links. It can be product reviews. It can be a really great way to augment your income, particularly if you truly believe in what you're promoting. Obviously, I mean, that's sort of ethical, right? That's the conflict of interest would be if you're running around promoting a lot of things that you don't think are good products and you are getting paid to do so. That would, of course, be unethical. I would view that as a conflict of interest. If, on the other hand, you have products and services that you love and you're over the moon about and you just want to share that with other people and you happen to get a referral, I think that is... Uh, I think that's just smart, but you have to say so because the person who's hearing your recommendation or clicking through your link needs to have that context just so that they're fully informed. These guidelines apply even if you don't speak about the product, by the way. If you just take a picture, so like product placement type of thing, if your photo or video might convey that you approve of or recommend the product, that falls under FTC guidance as well. Now, having said that, if I have no mechanism whatsoever for earning any type of affiliate income, I can gush all I want about any kinds of products and services that I want. It's not necessary to say, I don't have a relationship with these products. You don't have to do that because you don't have a relationship. You might want to, coming back to the sort of uh, concept of conflict of interest, real or perceived, but you don't have to. Uh, but you have to when you do have a financial relationship and you have to do it even when you have just product placement or you aren't mentioning them specifically by name, if there's any sort of reasonable way that a person would go from that tweet or that post or that video to whatever is your referral link that is however it is that you earn money, that is an important thing to do. Here's a few myths around this. So number one, it's not sufficient to just mention the financial relationship in your bio. And it's not sufficient to just have a little link in the footer of your website that says, I have some uh, affiliate links throughout this website. That's not enough. It needs to be prominent and it needs to be proximate. And their definition of prominent and proximate means it has to be easy to see and it has to be hard to miss. Therefore, it has to be on a photo, perhaps as an overlay of text, for example, or at the very beginning of a post or a video. It cannot be in the description. So for example, if you're doing a YouTube video that's 10 minutes long, you cannot bury your disclosure at the bottom of the, uh, the description that you're going to be posting along with the video because a reasonable person might very much miss that. And that's really the test that the FTC uses. Would a reasonable person see this and know what it is, realize that it's a disclosure or not? There's a little bit of ambiguity around the idea of using hashtags, you know, hashtag ad or hashtag sponsored post or hashtag paid post. Um, these are often acceptable, if it, especially if it's in a short form, if it's in a tweet. But where the FTC does not really feel it's acceptable is if it's buried there in the middle of 30 other hashtags at the bottom of your Instagram post, for example. That's not considered to be prominent proximate. It needs to be something that stands alone, maybe on its own line. And since you're really not struggling for characters there, it's probably something that should just be spelled out because that intent is what's really, really important. A lot of bloggers don't know this. A lot of social media users are falling far short of the guidance, but that's basically what it is. You also can't say something ambiguous like, hey, thanks so much at Cool Brand for giving me this such and such um, or for sending me this such and such. It has to be clear whether or not you are a paid customer or you've been given it for free. If you're a paid customer and you're just saying that you love it, again, you're not under an obligation to disclose it because you don't have a financial relationship you still might want to for that concept of perceived conflict of interest. But generally speaking, 
It's only when you do have the relationship that you need to be very, very clear. And you can't be sort of ambiguous and clever in your language to say, you know, it was so great to receive products such and such from at cool brand today. That does not say that they have paid you in money or in product to sponsor, you know, as a sponsored post as an advertisement. So you have to be very clear about that. I know a lot of bloggers and a lot of people have really kind of try to shy away from that because they, they're basically breaking the rules here because they want it to seem really organic. Well, that's obviously the reason the FTC cares is because they don't want it to seem really organic if it isn't, right? Because then you're not being truthful. You're not giving a full conflict of interest. You're not giving a full disclosure. But if you're in the business of making money via affiliate links, I actually think it helps your cause to be very upfront about that. It may help other brands want to work with you when they realize that you do have uh, working relationships with other brands, and it may help other people to trust you as a as a content expert or as sort of a professional reviewer, if indeed you are and you are familiar with many different products, you've picked some that are your favorites, and you have uh, sufficient enough interest to have a financial relationship with those companies. The final thing I'll say before I sign off, this kind of goes outside the scope, but just remember that the FDA has additional rules that govern the promotion of medical products, including devices and pharmaceuticals. So if you have any relationships with that type of industry, you've got to be sure you've done the homework to know your responsibilities as well as the restrictions and guidelines. There's a whole lot that has to be said anytime a medical claim is made, and, and it has to be a claim that is FDA approved and specific, and it also has to come uh, right alongside a whole bunch of other information that is also FDA required in order to give people a full picture of risk and benefit, efficacy and safety. So it's a little bit outside the scope of this particular podcast, but just keep in mind that if uh, in this sort of ever evolving landscape of things, if you find yourself in some kind of a financial relationship with medical device, biotech or pharma, you have to disclose that, particularly if you are earning money from talking about any of their products. And you're going to have to do it in a way that's really pretty detailed. You're going to be needing to work with their headquarters on that. You can't just write your own copy about that. The FDA will not allow it. And again, you can get in big trouble. You can get fined and you can have to post retractions. And of course, you can have to give all your money back. So these are risks that I think are not quite worth it. So for those of you who are entrepreneurial in spirit and you have physician side gigs or you've been working on uh, professional branding or you've been really building up that online presence in order to establish yourself as a thought leader uh, for some additional type of professional opportunities, I hope this podcast is really helpful to you to understand your obligations online when it comes to conflicts of interest, disclaimers, and disclosures. But again, remember, I'm not your attorney and you have to do your own due diligence. Thanks for joining me on this episode of The Career Prescription. Be sure to leave me a review on Apple Podcasts or whatever podcast player you're using to listen today. And definitely send me those questions so I can answer them and give you a shout out on a future episode. Bye for now. (laughs) Thank you.